water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he is ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Aiden, who read the intro. This is episode 13 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing The Fortune Teller. And I have another early on fun fact. Um, the Blue Spirit, which was the episode before this, originally aired in mid-June of 2005. But this episode actually didn't air until late September. So it's a pretty long gap. And just can you imagine like how painful that must have been? Because The Blue Spirit is so intense. And then you have to wait months and months for the next episode to air um, if you were watching this in real time. This is basically the first 16 years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And what a what a big letdown it must have been. Uh, This was the first episode. All right. So previously on Avatar, we don't have much for you. But stretching back to the Warriors of Kyoshi episode, we know that Aang has expressed a lot of interest romantically with Katara and Katara may be expresses some interest back to Aang. Ooh, and fun fact number two early on in the episode is that actually in the Greek dub of the show, Aunt Wu narrates previously on Avatar for all the episodes instead of Avatar Roku. So we get a pretty iconic character in this episode, you know? It's not just your average filler. (laughs) So... Let's just get right into the plot. So the first scene is Team Avatar at their camp, and there's this fish jumping out of the water, and Sokka wants to eat it. Classic Sokka. Sokka tries to fish for it, but Aang has made the fishing line into a necklace for Katara. Um, And yeah, I just think it's really cute. He has such a huge smile on his face when he presents it to her. Um, And it's just very thoughtful. Aang is just, yeah, Aang is clearly like puppy love, like really, like it's very innocent, very sweet. Yeah, something I noticed about this episode in general, at least right off the bat, is that the animation seems a lot cleaner than normal. Hmm. I don't know. Seems like there's some inflection point with the animation, but I can't tell for sure. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, it's a good catch. I guess they had uh, three months to make this episode. (laughs) So (laughs) glad they got the animation right. Um, yeah, and then Kantara takes the necklace and she says, I love it. And then she puts it on and says, so how do I look? And then there's this heavenly music playing similar vibes to the Ganjin music in The Great Divide. Uh, the camera pans over Katara. She's posing with the necklace and there's warm lighting and it's sparkly. And Aang says, well, all of you or just your neck? I mean, they both look great. And then Sokka (laughs) is in the water with the fish and goes, smoochy, smoochy, someone's in love. (laughs) And then, which Sokka is just hilarious this episode. And the guitar says, stop teasing him, Sokka. Aang's just a good friend, a sweet little guy, just like Momo. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Rip, rip Aang. Oh, man. Lemur zoned. (laughs) Lemur zoned. Oh, 
<laughs> so brutal. Okay, so the next scene is the platypus bear scene. So they hear this man being attacked by a platypus bear. And when they arrive, he's just casually sidestepping it. It's like he's taking a walk in the park. It's just a, you know, nice day. And there's a platypus bear and he just doesn't care at all. Yeah, this old man kind of reminded me of Ip Man uh, from the movie with Donnie Yen and kind of the style of martial arts. I think it's called Wing Chun, which is very defensive. And he's kind of like dodging all the attacks in the same way that this man's like dodging the bear. I thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's cool. Never seen that movie. But the bear has some pretty nice martial arts moves. It's very impressive for a bear. Has like very nice technique and form. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I have some fun facts about the platypus bear later, um, but they're very uh, capable animals. Yeah, and then Aang tries to step in, and then Appa growls from behind um, and takes care of the platypus bear, and it just lays an egg right there <laughs> immediately <laughs> and leaves. Oh, and this amazing. was. Yeah, another just great moment from this episode. And I just thought, you know, again, what would Team Avatar do without Appa? And here come my fun facts about the platypus bear, which I didn't know was such an important uh, integral member of the Avatar universe. But the platypus bear actually shows up numerous times throughout the rest of the show. For example, it shows up in Appa's Lost Days when Appa is captured. uh, There's actually a platypus bear in a cage nearby. Platypus bears can also be seen in the circus that Appa eventually ends up joining in Return to Omashu. And in The Serpent's Past, there's a platypus bear who just ends up destroying the cabbage cart. And finally, in the Tales of Ba Sing Se, the Ba uh, Ba Sing Se Zoo is actually inhabited with many platypus bears who get released by Aang and end up destroying the town and everything um and a more morbid fact about the platypus bear is that an entire platypus bear is served in the feast that the northern water tribe throws to welcome team avatar in the waterbending master so yeah they're really they can be domesticated they can be trained to be you know guards they can be eaten in very lavish ways so versatile animal you know So then Sokka says, lucky for you, we came along to the man. And the man says, thanks, but everything was already under control. And then the man says, Aunt Wu predicted I'd have a safe journey. (laughs) And then Aang goes, Aunt who? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was another funny one. Um, And I have a fun fact about the name Wu. So Wu, when written a certain way, is actually a surname that can mean shaman or sorceress. And shamanism was actually widespread in ancient China. And they used different techniques to read bones um, or, you know, different techniques to predict the future. And one of them is reading bones, which we actually see later in the episode um, with Aunt Wu and Katara. So, yeah, then the man explains, oh, she's the fortune teller of my village. It's awful nice knowing your future. And Sokka says, but the fortune teller was wrong. You don't you didn't have a safe journey. You almost got killed. And the man says, but I wasn't. And then he says, oh, also, she told me to give any travelers I meet this. And he gives them an umbrella. Yeah. And interestingly enough, this umbrella is seen again in the episode Appa's Lost Days when the Sandbenders raid Appa's saddle for loot. And so we saw this in the Blue Spirit, too, like them keeping all these items. So it must be in Appa's saddle is where Mm -hmm. they keep everything. Yeah. Endless storage in Appa's saddle. Yep. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I also 
read online that the calm man or this calm man is actually based on a security guard at Nickelodeon. And that just made me think, oh, like what were the characteristics they pulled from this security guard? Was it looks? Was this security guard just super zen? I don't know. But it's funny that they like actually noted that this person was inspired by a security guard, random security guard. Clearly their lack of a dental HMO plan. Yeah, this, maybe it's a jab at the security guard for having bad teeth. Maybe a security guard that always got on their nerves or something. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Katara says, maybe we should go see Aunt Wu and learn our fortunes. It could be fun. And Sokka says, fortune telling is nonsense. Um, and then it starts raining right as he says it's nonsense. And, you know, the man just gave them an umbrella. And Katara says, that proves it. Um, and I thought a cool thing to note here is that Katara uses her water bending as an umbrella or a protective force above her head. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, oh, this is some nice practical everyday water bending that we don't usually get to see. Um, cause I feel like, I feel like whenever discussions of what kind of bender would you want to be come up, there are those random benefits that you get from different types of bending for example firebending you know we see iroh heat the tea so that's a that's a perk of firebending is you can cook stuff wherever this is awesome you'll never get rained on as a waterbender so this is such a good point like this might push me over the top to wanting to be a waterbender like you don't know how many times i've been out in the rain without an umbrella and it's terrible (laughs) yeah um But then actually later we see uh, Aang and Katara walking under the umbrella together, which we know she clearly doesn't need an umbrella. So she just wanted to walk with Aang under the umbrella. There you go. Very cute. Um, Anyways, then the next scene, uh, and that's the in-between scene, I guess. But then they go to the town and they enter Aunt Wu's home or whatever building establishment. And they meet Meng, who is Aunt Wu's assistant. Yeah, so fun fact, Meng is actually voiced by Jesse Flower, who's the same person who voices Toph. So next time you rewatch this episode, just just keep your ears open for that. You can you can actually start picking up some Toph sounding things. It's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. I actually read about that after rewatching it and I wish I had known before. But yeah, I wonder if they decide to cast her as Toph after this. Yeah, she had such a good performance as Meng, you know. Yeah, they wanted exa- her back. <laughs> yeah, and then Meng sees Aang, and the camera pans over Aang in the same way that it did Katara with the music and the lighting and the sparkles. But instead of looking glamorous, he looks like a complete derp. <laughs> and yeah, I just thought, ooh, it's a love triangle. This episode is so spicy. So get ready, y'all. It's going to be some rom-com stuff going on. And then this other girl walks out of a session with Aunt Wu and tells Meng, oh my gosh, like I'm going to meet my true love and he's going to give me a beautiful flower. And then Meng says, that's so romantic. And she looks at Aang and says, I wonder if my true love will give me a rare flower. And Aang overhears and he's like, oh, good luck with that. And then Aunt Wu appears and welcomes them and asks who's next. And then Katara volunteers. Yeah, so Katara volunteers and Aang is super curious because he's in love with Katara and he wants to know what's in her future. So Aang goes to go eavesdrop on them and then lies to Sokka saying he's going to the bathroom. So some more uh, precepts here he is breaking. (laughs) Bad monk Aang. Man, Aang's really just eavesdropping on every conversation today. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. Um, but he's doing it for love. So that makes it okay. I don't know. Okay, so then, life lessons uh, from Joyce. <laughs> life lessons from Joyce. <laughs> I'll write a book about it soon. <laughs> um, anyways, then the fortune teller and Katara are discussing her love line, and Aang is outside the door listening in. And the fortune teller says, "I see great romance for you. I can see that he's a very powerful bender." And then Aang hears this. It's so, like the shot is so funny. It's so up close on his face, and this gigantic smirk breaks out. Yeah. And he starts jumping around quietly in celebration. And I thought, this is an everyday airbending perk where you have twinkle toes and no one can ever hear you when you're sneaking around. So you can be pretty oh. sly. And yeah, I don't know. Wow. Eaves, it's really very useful for eavesdropping. So there you go. There's an airbending perk. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I also just thought this moment was is such a great nugget for Katang fans and, um, I don't know, Justin and on. you guys can tune out if you don't care about the romance of the show. But it's just, it's amazing foreshadowing for the end of the show, obviously, and just from the perspective of this being early, eh, mid-way through season one, um, you know, if you didn't know about the if you didn't know about the end of the show, it's just a great nugget and it's just, uh, gives people some hope. Um, and also, yeah, I don't know. It's, it just sets up this like really slow build up to the end. And I think you can, some people read this as foreshadowing of like, Oh, it gives it away. But then I think it's just kind of like it instills hope in the, in the Katang ship, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because who else is a powerful bender? Like no one else, but Aang. But wait a Zuko. second, Zuko is a powerful bender too. So yeah, I think I think it fuels that ship as well. Although I didn't think of it like that. And then I read online that what it does, this prediction also does, is it disqualifies Jet. Oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting catch too. I mean, um, Iroh is also a powerful bender. <laughs> 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 Although we do know that Iroh is into uh, younger ladies, mm, as we find true. out in another episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, oh, oh, I'm sick, <laughs> Justin. That's too disturbing. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And then the next scene, just very briefly, uh, Aang walks back smiling and Sokka's like, looks like someone had a pretty good bathroom break. And I read this online. <laughs> this is not me. But online, I read that someone said this was like getting a dirty joke in for the adults who are watching the show. And I was just when I read that, I was so shook. I was like, oh, my God, how can you even go there? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, like, wait, people can have good bathroom breaks you know just a nice time oh i thought you were gonna defend this person online who's like oh it totally makes sense i thought that too because i did not even like that was not even within the realm of like possibilities for me and then when i read that i was like oh my god he's 12 yeah also you dirty 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 bastards i don't know anyways I just want to bring that up because it was kind of, at least it was creative, I guess. Um, Creative read. And then Aang goes in for his reading and Aang goes with Aunt Wu and she reads the bones and Aang picks up a bone and throws it in the flame. uh, And she says she's going to read the bone cracks. Yeah, this is the osteomancy that Joyce was referencing earlier, which is a form of pyromancy that 
people in China practice back in the Shang and Zhao dynasties. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So they definitely looked into their fortune telling, uh, I don't know, traditions. And yeah, then the bone starts to completely crumble in the flame. And Aunt Wu says, I've never seen this before. And the bone shatters into little tiny shards. And then Aunt Wu says, your destiny, this is incredible. You'll be involved in a great battle, an awesome conflict between the forces of good and evil, a battle whose outcome will determine the fate of the whole world. And the lighting is really dramatic. There's flames, whatever. And Aang says, yeah, yeah, I know that already. But did it say anything about a girl? (laughs) And this is funny. I thought this was actually a quite a moment of character growth because mm. Aang has really uh, now has a firm grasp on his future and he just has accepted it. He doesn't even, you know, or he's pushing it aside and trying to ignore it. But I like to think of it as the former. Yeah, totally. Also, another thing it reminded me of was if we t- think to the end of the season two finale and like Guru Patik and how Aang is trying to give up everything in order to reach the ultimate avatar state. The thing that holds him up is Katara. So in a sense, like the most important thing to Aang ends up being a girl. And so it's just interesting. It's like kind of some foreshadowing that way because, you know, this Mm. girl does end up playing such a big role in in the storyline and Aang's life and everything. That is a really good point. So An Wu might have single-handedly caused the downfall of the world as we know it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she encourages Aang to go for it. And then, you know, he doesn't get the Avatar state and then everything gets to shit. So thanks, An Wu. Yeah, anyways. And then An Wu says, oh, she didn't see anything. And then Aang looks really defeated. And she says, oh, look, I must have missed something. And she picks up this bone, um, random bone. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I think it's clear at this point that Anwu is pretty much making things up totally as if like we didn't know, but it is a fantasy world. So who knows? Um, but yeah, and then this this comes back at the end um, in a big way when like basically her predictions are what's shaping people's destiny, not the other way around. Mm hmm. Yeah. And she says when she picks it up, trust your heart and you will be with the one you love. And yeah, this is some fortune cookie shit. It's like <laughs> so, totally made up. And Aang just leaves very excited, finally having gotten what he wanted all along. Um, then we return to the town and everyone is waiting for Aunt Wu to read the clouds, uh, her annual cloud reading to determine the fate of the whole village. And Aang says, ooh, that cloud kind of looks like a fluffy bunny. And that man says, you better hope that's not a bunny. The fluffy bunny cloud <laughs> forecasts doom and destruction. Um, and this is a really weird, I'm surprised I, my mind even went here, but this reminded me of Monty Python, which, um, if you haven't seen, and I barely remember this cause I've saw this a long time ago. There's this white bunny. That's like the killer bunny that all the knights are like, Oh, look a bunny. And then it just kind of like eats their faces up. So <laughs> bunnies are never innocent. But also interestingly, when, so like later in the episode, when they actually create the cloud that forecasts doom and destruction. Uh, maybe we can talk about it later. But to me, it looked like a skull and not like a fluffy bunny. So I don't know. Oh. Maybe people mix them up really easily. I don't know. I don't really see it. Oh, you mean at the end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that was a skull. Oh, yeah. Wait, that's definitely yeah, like a, a plot hole then. 
Or maybe All Doom right. and Destruction is different from the volcano erupting. Like the uh, skull is the volcano erupting one and the... Yeah, and and that's a really good point. I didn't notice that at all. Erupting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fluffy Bunny is definitely worse, you know. <laughs> um, and then the another woman says, oh, the cloud reading will tell us if Mount Makapu will remain dormant for another year or if it will erupt. Yeah, so the name Mount Makapu actually comes from a Hawaiian island, Makapu, in the Oahu Islands, which means bulging eye. So it's cool. Again, they're bringing in another culture, the Hawaiian culture, in, in um, their names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the man says, oh, they, we used to go up to the mountain to check the volcano ourselves, but ever since Aunt Wu moved to the village, we haven't had to. And Sokka says, I can't believe you would trust your lives to that crazy old woman's superstition. Yeah. Also, to me, this just seems kind of surprising because the man also mentions it's on Wu moved to the village 20 years ago. So it's only been 20 years and yet they have such faith in Aunt Wu, even though in their whole lives, none of them have probably seen the mountain erupt, but like this woman moves here and then 20 years of saying of her saying the volcano won't erupt. And like, and now it's just <laughs> a tradition that she does this. Mm. So I don't know. It seems, it seems a little suspicious to me, but seems statistically insignificant. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Um, and then Mang asks Aang, oh, don't you think that cloud looks like a flower? And Aang is like, eh, sure. And then he just pushes her aside really harshly and then asks Katara, hey, Katara, don't you think that cloud looks like a flower? And Katara also shrugs him off. And yeah, I thought I was like, ah, unrequited love. Wow. So sad. So painful. And then I was also thinking this feels pretty uncharacteristic of Katara. She's never this aloof towards Aang and, and throughout the episode too, I think this is weird because Katara is usually very attentive to Aang. Um, and so I thought this was just a plot uh, device, but I guess she's like really into this fortune telling thing. So maybe she's just preoccupied with that. I don't know. It doesn't seem realistic to me. Um, yeah. And then Aunt Wu predicts that the village will not be destroyed this year. Um, and everybody cheers. And in the midst of all this hullabaloo, uh, Aang is trying to confess to Katara, oh, I like you, but more than normal, uh, which is really adorable. And then Katara completely just doesn't hear him and she runs off to go see Aunt Wu again. So Aang and Sokka are then having some bro time and Aang says, so Sokka, you know some stuff about ladies, right? And Sokka puts his arm around Aang and he's like, some stuff? You've come to the right place. What can I do you for? And Aang says, there's this girl. And Sokka looks over and Mang is obsessing over Aang. And he says, oh, I think I know what you mean. And Aang says, oh, you're okay with it? And Sokka says, of course I am. And to tell you the truth, I've been picking up the subtle vibe that she likes you too. Um, and yeah, this is just funny because... Wow. First, I thought Aang is a good bro for asking Sokka permission, you know, like that's pretty sweet, you know, to, to make sure things aren't awkward. Um, and then also Mang is in the background completely being not subtle, um, which is funny. And then Sokka just gives him some advice and says, yeah, all you have to do is not mess it up. And Sokka says, number one mistake you nice guys make being too nice. And Aang says, you can be too nice. And I was like, Aang never changed. No. Sokka's an asshole. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. Uh, my thought here was, wow, Wong Fu Productions is not the origin of nice guys. It's actually Avatar. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything, you know, Avatar has just implanted these ideas into our childhood brains. So. Yeah, but clearly here, nice guys <laughs> finish first. So <laughs> exactly. So all Aang has to do is go watch some Wong Fu productions on YouTube. Um, and then Sokka says, if you really want to keep her interested, you have to act aloof. Like you don't really care one way or the other. And I thought this is terrible advice. Sokka's being such a, so like, I mean, whatever, stereotypical, like bad advice from boys here. Yeah. Um, but also it's currently working on Mang from Aang and it's working on Aang from Katara. So maybe it's not such bad advice. <laughs> um, and then Meng is coming up to talk to Aang and he just says, see you later. He doesn't even look at her. Yeah. Like, oh my away. God, this is so mean. Like first he shoves her away and now he literally doesn't even pay attention to her and walks her away. I think he didn't act. He actually didn't see her. He Maybe yeah, he was just like, saying see you later to Sokka. She's right next to him. <laughs> Dude, Aang, come on. Yeah. Aang has tunnel vision for Katara. Um, and Sokka says, wow, that kid is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was just funny. And then Katara's leaving Aunt Wu's, and then she's just asking this, you know, all her questions. She's obsessed with fortune telling and astrology. The girl definitely has co-star on her, uh, on her iPhone. Um, and she says, one more thing. Should I eat a mango or papaya for breakfast tomorrow? Uh, and this indecisiveness I can relate to. And then Aang says... Oh, hey, Katara, didn't see you there. And he's just leaning against the wall, trying to look aloof and stuff. And Katara goes, hey, Aang, and walks away all glum because Aunt Wu told her papaya and she hates papaya. Yeah, which is one of the most one of the biggest breakthroughs of the whole show that Katara doesn't like papaya because papaya is objectively not good. Papaya is so good. <laughs> Whoa, I'm a, I really don't like papaya. Those are some fighting words on it. You haven't had my papaya least favorite prepared fruit. the right way. No, I've Indeed. had it prepared many ways. I've had it prepared many ways. Have you had a Thai papaya salad? Those are really I good. Have. have you had papaya, like uh, steamed papaya? I've not had steamed papaya, no. Steamed papaya is Have good. you had a papaya mojito? Whoa. I thought wow. not. <laughs> Whoa. That could <laughs> yeah, be a game crazy. changer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next time, Justin, we'll we'll make some papaya mojitos. Um, okay, and then the next scene is Katara buying the papaya at a fruit stand, and Aang goes up and goes, "So papaya." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I don't know. I thought he kind of looked like Jet here. Like his eyebrows mm -hmm. gave me Jet vibes. Like one is up and one is down, and they're very long and skinny and triangular um, so yeah he's going for that bad boy vibe and Katara says uh-huh would you like some and Aang says you know me I don't really care what I eat <laughs> and I read this online but somebody was like yeah he does he's vegetarian fucking liar <laughs> um, and then Katara says okay then see you later and leaves and this just reminded me of the last time we saw an awkward Aang Katara romance dynamic at a fruit stand in Warriors of Kyoshi, where Katara was the one who was jealous and they were talking about it over this little fruit. I don't know if it was fruit last time, but oh, how the tables have turned. And then Aang sees, uh, Aang is really sad and he sees a man give his girlfriend, who is the same girl from before, a panda lily. And he just barges in and asks them where he can find one. 
So then they go on this quest for a panda lily. Sokka and Aang are scaling the volcano in search of the panda lily because it grows on at the top of the volcano. And again, I just saw Aang is trying so hard, being so sweet and thoughtful. Uh, and actually his love or I don't know, infatuation with Katara at this point is the only reason they discover the volcano is about to erupt. So mm, that's pretty that's good. That's true. Um, yeah, if you follow your heart, you know, it's the... Things will always turn out okay. <laughs> so, um, and fun fact about uh, the tradition of retrieving a flower from a dangerous place is it actually uh, is based in the tradition, uh, similar to the tradition surrounding the Edelweiss flower. So this flower grows on the high cliffs of the Swiss Alps, and it is said that retrieving one and giving it to someone is the ultimate declaration of love because it's like very difficult and dangerous. Um, so that's kind of where this is inspired from. So then they spot the, uh, Aang spots the panda lilies at the top of the volcano, but also he sees the volcano is not dormant and that Aunt Wu was wrong. And... <clears throat> Dun, dun, dun. He drops the flower into the lava and it just like there's a shot of it falling and then burning up, going up in flames. And it was pretty ominous. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch. And then they had to go back and warn the village. Yeah. And so they go back to warn the village and the first sign of the volcano erupting, the camera actually tilts kind of like sideways. And I thought that was a cool effect that they could do. Hmm. Yeah, good catch. I didn't notice that. So then they go to warn the townspeople and they find Katara, who is standing outside of Aunt Wu's home because she won't be let in because she is too annoying about her fortune, uh, her fortunes. So then Sokka says, oh, Aunt Wu was wrong about the volcano. And Katara is like not buying it until the whole village shakes from the volcano rumbling. And then Sokka yells out to everybody saying that volcano will erupt any second. Aunt Wu was wrong. And the woman says, yeah, yeah, we know you don't believe in Aunt Wu, Mr. Science and Reason Lover. Um, and I thought this was interesting that Avatar is even delving into this area of science and reason for a show that is generally more mystical and fantastical. It's about bending and spirits. Um, you know, they're also taking a, a firm stance, telling kids to use the scientific method and logic and reason and their brains, even though most of the other most of the world is not about that. Um, <laughs> so I guess I had to drop in some practical nuggets for today's day and age <laughs> um yeah and then katara tries to convince everybody now that she's seen the volcano and says oh my brother and ang saw the lava with their own eyes and then the original calm man says well i heard aunt Wu's predictions with my own ears <laughs> um which is funny yeah, and that then, was really funny yeah it was good and then Aang gets up and says, please listen to us. We have to get out of here you can't rely on aunt Wu's predictions you have to take fate into your own hands and the volcano rumbles again. And Sokka says, can your fortune explain that? And man says, can your science explain why it rains? <laughs> and Sokka says, yes, yes, it can. Uh, and then I was thinking, when and where did Sokka get so educated on science? You know, yeah. like he's from the water tribe. So I wonder if in the water tribe curricula, they place added emphasis on the water cycle, the water cycle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's really i mean Sokka knows how and why it rains like that's pretty mind-blowing here um 
And then Katara says, they just won't listen to reason. And Aang says, but they will listen to Aunt Wu. And this boy now has a plan. Uh, I feel like Aang definitely comes up with some of the most clever plans. Up until this point, like, I th- I think he he really, like, thinks outside the box. Like, this is really next level creativity. Um, and then Team Avatar starts to put their plan in action. So Aang breaks into Aunt Wu's home. And then Momo comes with him, which I think is really cute. I think they're definitely a dynamic duo. At least it caught my attention how Momo comes with Aang here because... The and when Aang is trying to sneak around, Momo's like making noise and he says, Oh, you know, be quiet, like we don't want to be heard. So Momo's actually following Aang around, even when it's not ta- very tactical, because he has his twinkle toes advantage and Momo's really about to blow their cover, but they're just that tight. And then Mang shows up and just surprises Aang, and they have this long talk about how she likes him, but they kind of get past it and they make up, and she gives him the cloud book because she says, I've kind of been stalking you. Hey, cute, <laughs> but also not cute. <laughs> um, then now they have the cloud book, and Aang says, To Katara, clouds are made out of water and air, so between the two of us, we ought to be able to bend them into whatever shape we want. So here's your daily dose of earth science from yours truly. So I think they're pretty much right about this. Like I was doing some research into what clouds are and it's <laughs> it's more confusing than you would think. Um, so basically what it is, is there's particles of dust or salt in the atmosphere. And when the water vapor gets high enough, it cools. So it condenses into liquids or even solids. And then it basically coalesces on the seed of dust or salt until it grows to a mass where it can start raining. And so in between these particles of water that are basically suspended is air. So, you know, in a sense, they are mm. they are correct. So, yeah. Checks out. Does that mean earthbenders could bend the dust? Just kidding. Yeah. Dust is an earth. What is dust? On in. What Space is dust? Bending. That's the next. <laughs> the next. All right. Fact tune in I next need. week for our explanation of what dust is. Um. And then they find the symbol for volcanic doom and they start to bend the clouds. And yeah, this this scene was really cool. There's some drumming music. Uh, there are some nice shots of Appa being a graceful bison ballerina flying around the air. Um, And yeah, it was just cool. Yeah, the symbol they make in the sky is a skull. And the first thing I thought of here is it kind of looks like the same symbol that pops up when Voldemort like (laughs) kills someone. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So what if Voldemort has employed the gang to go around (laughs) flying on Appa? (laughs) Spreading (laughs) the word of the earth, spreading the dark arts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe Aunt Wu is using the dark arts. Oh, man. She's she's definitely a death eater. (laughs) (laughs) Aunt Wu is a death eater and she has tricked Team Avatar into uh, putting the dark mark into the sky. (laughs) I think it makes a lot of sense. You're on something. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Wow, crazy conspiracy. Yeah, so then uh, once they see the mark in the sky, the townspeople gather again and Team Avatar delivers their action items for what to do. But it's actually Sokka who comes up with the plan here for how to divert the volcano, which involves building like a stream, uh, building a trench that goes out to the stream. So the lava is diverted. So I thought it was cool that 
Sokka gets his moment here to develop a plan that, you know, basically works. So shows that Sokka is moving in that direction. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a good moment for him. Um, he has to organize a lot of people. And I just thought, oh, for like Aang has the creative plans and Sokka's like the tactical, practical one, organizational one. I mean, he, he does have some clever moments, too, throughout the show, but um, he is good at like, I don't know, organizing the troops. Yeah, yeah. Like convincing people, like organizing people. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And his plan is to dig a trench deep enough to divert the flow of lava to the river. And I thought, wow, it's a good plan. But also, if they didn't have any earthbenders, they would have been really screwed. And it seemed like there were a lot of people who were just shoveling in the next shot. And there were only like a couple earthbenders. So <laughs> it could have gone either way. But yeah, so the next shot is there are a bunch of people digging this trench. And I thought I found it hard to believe that these shovelers are even necessary or useful at all. Yeah. Um, because in the end, we see just a single earthbender connect the trench to the river <laughs> just one move um but you know everyone wants to feel like they're a part of the team so we're gonna give them some shovels so they can feel important and also appa is dragging away these big rocks one at a time which also seems not super helpful but then again appa is part of the team too so then everyone evacuates once the trench is made and then the volcano erupts and it starts raining ash and the lava goes and flows and destroys the town and the arch and the gravestones and everything. And yeah, I thought this is I mean, the the scenery here is actually really scary looking and the soundtrack was really great here. I think the music towards the sec the end of this episode is really compelling and then Katara says it's too much it's going to overflow and Sokka and Katara run back but Aang is still standing at the front lines um, at the edge of the trench and he flies upwards and he summons these two tornadoes of air I guess and he blows it all onto the lava it's literally about to engulf the town like a tsunami and then he hardens it all into rock it's pretty awesome yeah maybe uh, Aang could have taught Roku a few things about volcanoes yeah. and how to deal with them. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, a fun fact about the statues that we see being burned, uh, I guess, before this climax point, uh, is that the statues actually resemble real life statues called Daruma, which are commonly seen in Japanese Shinto shrines. Hmm, cool. So, yeah, another nice tidbit of or bit of culture. Um, and then... Yeah, Sokka's standing and watching from behind, and he says, wow, sometimes I forget what a powerful bender that kid is. And, whoa, dun-dun-dun, you know. Katara has her moment, but first, I thought this is awkward wording. I wasn't convinced of this dialogue. I think he had to say it that way because that was Katara's fortune, and it had to line up exactly. But... You know, wow, sometimes I forget what a powerful bender that kid is. It's like so awkward. <laughs> you know, so yeah. wow, sometimes I forget how powerful that kid is or he is or Aang is that. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. But then Katara's like, oh, my gosh, you're right. And she realizes that it's meant to be until she meets Zuko. <laughs> and it confuses her. <laughs> um Anyways, then the town is all gathered in the end and Aang apologizes for borrowing the book, a.k.a. stealing the book. Um, but, you know, it's OK because he apologizes because I remember saying that, oh, like when we were talking about lying in the Great Divide, 
I remember saying, oh, they also lie in the fortune teller. And I thought that they just never owned up to it, but they do. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah, they own up to it. And Aunt Wu is not even mad. She she laughs and then commends Aang and them for being clever, which is interesting that <laughs> they basically manipulated the whole town and no one is annoyed about that. Cleverness is a trait of the house Slytherin. that's so so funny um yeah and then Sokka says no offense but I hope this has taught everyone a lesson about not relying too much on fortune telling and then the calm man says but Aunt Wu predicted the village wouldn't be destroyed and it wasn't she was right after all and then Aang confronts Aunt Wu and says oh you just told me what I wanted to hear right and she says I'll tell you a little secret young airbender just like you reshape those clouds you have the power to shape your own destiny but um, but also, why are you making a life out of line to people then? Yep. Who is this woman? But, you know, maybe sometimes when people get a little push, you know, if she tells them something good going to happen, if they do something, then maybe they'll maybe they'll make the prophecy come true. Yeah. Because they think it's going to come true. So my thought here is of all the people who give Aang advice, Outside of maybe Iroh, she's one of the few people who tell him that he has the power to shape his own destiny. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is the catalyst moment where Aang's like, huh, maybe I don't have to kill Ozai. Wow. Aunt Wu, such a great character. Who knew? <laughs> but also she uh. she makes it so that he never achieves the full Avatar state. So who knows? <laughs> she's chaotic neutral. I like, yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and then Katara says bye to everyone. They're about to leave on Appa. And she says, take care, Mang. And Mang waves and smiles. And then when Katara turns away, she says, floozy. And that's the end of the episode. And fun fact. Well, actually, my first thought was like, that's a great new avatar word. Just like, um, what is it? Bleeding hog monkeys. But then JK, it's a non avatar word. It actually is an informal word for a girl or woman who has many casual sexual encounters or relationships. So basically she was calling Katara a slut or something along those lines. Meg is a bad, bad girl. I guess that's why she never shows up again. Yeah, but I was I was stunned when I read that. It was similar reacts to when I read that dirty comment on on the bathroom break. I was like, oh, my gosh, this episode is really salacious. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, crazy stuff. And that is the end of the episode. I know what a weird way to end off the episode. If you if you knew if you happen to know what Fousey meant, which I didn't. But Yeah. So let's get on to our ratings. All right. I'm going to give this episode. uh, I'm stuck between two, but I'll give it a four. Like (gasps) I. Huh? Is that a good good reaction? Continue, continue. Um, I wasn't super excited going into this episode, but coming out of it, I thought it was pretty joyful and fun. It was just really funny. I mean, I think that's the highlight of it, like. Sokka had a lot of moments. The townspeople were very funny. Also, I love volcanoes. So seeing another volcano <laughs> in the episode is is awesome. And I, I like I did like the ending, the message where she was like, everyone has the power to shape their own destiny. So four. 
Yeah, so keep in mind, kids, fun, joyful, those are the things you want to associate with a four. Um, so I also give it a four out of ten. This episode was kind of boring. Um, it didn't really interest me in the slightest. It didn't really progress the plot. Um, it's lighthearted. It's kind of like the comedic break, I guess, they need before they get to like the darker parts of the season, which we'll see in the coming episodes. Uh, you know, not a very memorable episode. I disagree. I gave it a seven. Whoa. <laughs> I know. That's why, that's why I was a little surprised when you said four, Anand, because you were saying good things. So I thought yeah, you were going to be above I, a five. Sorry, I, I left out all the obvious things. Not Sorry, not obvious things, but I left out all the things that Justin said that I agree with, too. So Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> okay, I, it's obviously filler, right? You know, Zuko and Iroh don't show up at all. It's totally not, doesn't have anything to do with the main plot although we've discovered it totally does have everything to do with the main plot of Aang and Katara <laughs> which is part of the main plot um but I thought it was really funny I thought I mean I'm a sucker for a little shipping and romance and I thought I thought the way they did it was somewhat uh like contrived but also cute because you see the puppy love and you got some great action the music is really good the clever solution at the end um and the lesson is obviously great for the kiddos of take your fate into your own hands which is why i feel like the fillers in avatar aren't really filler because you always get a little something extra whether it's some character development or some moral of the story um i was hesitating to give it a seven because i also gave the storm a seven which is more widely regarded as a much better episode but i just really enjoyed it i thought it was completely delightful and i thought that you know it had it all action romance solving a problem good lesson Sokka gets his moment to shine it's all great so <laughs> that's my hot take apparently so that concludes this episode of the podcast thank you guys so much for listening we hope you enjoyed our discussion of the fortune teller as always, we release on WhatsApp on Wednesdays, so we'll see you next time for our discussion of Bato of the Water Tribe. If you want to stay up to date with when we release or submit thoughts or questions on the episodes, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast if you want to be the first one to know when we release on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked this episode, be sure to hit us up with a five-star rating. Thank you guys again, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye. Flamio Hotman. Hotman.